Lord, 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 help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. <laughs> it is so good to see y'all. I am really happy to see all of you guys. Um, anyway, we're having fun. But at the same time, I think it's really important because uh, too many, too many people have limited their capacity to become disciple makers because they feel like they're limited in their knowledge. They're limited in their insight. They don't have the, the deep understanding of the scripture. So until I'm an expert of scripture, then I will make disciples. Should do TikToks on this. I really should. Then I'll make a disciple. No. If you want to know what discipleship is like, discipleship is like driving a car. Let me help you out real quick. It's like driving a car. You can give someone a book about driving a car. You can train them, give them all this information about driving a car. You can give them all the inside. You can tell them everything about the, pe the gas pedal, the brake pedal. You can even talk about all the mechanisms of the car, every detail of the car. You can do all of that. And just because they know everything about the car doesn't mean they know how to drive the car. Discipleship is practical. It's when people see how you live and how you apply what you know. And for many of us, we think that we need to give more information when all we need to do is put people in the driver's seat and to sit in the passenger seat and help guide them. Discipleship is like driving. I'm going to drive first. Watch me drive. After you watch me drive, then you get in the driver's seat and I'll sit beside you and watch you drive. And then let's just do this together. That's what discipleship is all about. It's not about delivering and distributing information. It's not about that. It's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot closer to driving a car than it is to teaching people how to drive a car. Right? <laughs> when it comes to driving, you're not you're not the person to do the teaching, huh? Isn't it funny that it's where you it's actually when you get in the car that you realize, okay, this is this driving thing is not as simple as that. And I love the driving example because for those of you who've who, who remember when you first started driving, you were focused on everything, right? You were focused on every little detail, right? You were focused on, okay, let me make sure I stay in the lines. And then, you know, and you're, you're thinking about the signal, the right signal, left signal, which one, when do I put it? And you're looking at all the signs and, and you're, you're, you're so focused on everything. It's not natural to you. Nowadays, you've done it so much that it's become so natural. There are those of you who, if you could admit there are times where you've driven home from work and you don't know how you got there. <laughs> it's become second nature to you because you do it so often. This is what discipleship is. It should become your nature. Right? It should become natural to you where you can just do it without even thinking about it. It's like riding a bike, y'all. It's like riding a bike. At first, you got to focus on balancing and you're trying to figure out how to pedal and you slip, you fall, you scratch up your knee sometimes. All that happens. But then afterwards, what happens is it becomes natural and normal. Here's a beautiful thing about it is that once you learn how to ride a bike, you don't ever unlearn it. It's like you might not have been on a bike for two years. And as soon as someone puts a bike in front of you, you're going to get on. And you're just going to do it naturally because it's become who you are. It's become who you are. Anyway, that's that's a little rant um, on that. I'm going to bring people on board on TikTok. Who knows? I might put this on the podcast. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. 
I'll get IG and TikTok rolling. But I think it's so important, y'all. So important, family, for us to rethink discipleship. It's so important for us to think of the practicality of discipleship, not to think of discipleship as a Bible study. Okay. I, I People are like, yeah, you know, I'm in my discipleship group. What do you do in your discipleship group? We read the word. Fam, that's not discipleship. <clears throat> if all you're doing is studying the Bible and you just show up every week and study the Bible, and that's all you do, that's a Bible study. That's a study group. And nothing wrong with that. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. But that is not discipleship, y'all. That is not discipleship. Okay. Oh, man, I'm going to get in trouble today. I'm going to get in trouble today. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so lit, but I'm lit today. <laughs> okay. It, we were called, you know, the, the Bible didn't tell us. Oh, man, here we go. The Bible did not tell us to go ye therefore and make experts of Scripture. Jesus did not command us and say, go ye therefore and make biblical experts. Okay, no. The Bible said, go ye therefore and make disciples. The Bible didn't say you will be witnesses to me by going to the synagogues to teach and to exegete scripture. The Bible said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the problem, y'all. We got people who they follow and they serve and they submit to simply teachers of scripture and they teach scripture well, but they don't live out the scripture well. Pedophiles are drawn to ministry for the ease of access to victims. I can't say that that's true. Um, I can say that it exists, but I can't say that it's true in the sense that there's an exclusivity that that's where pedophiles are drawn to. Pedophiles are drawn to wherever, you know, young people are susceptible. So I don't know how, how we got there when it came to ministry, anywhere where there are, where there are people who are susceptible, there will be evil there to manipulate. And again, this is another reason why I tell people don't follow somebody because they seem uh, uh, charismatic or they have a, a wise you know, uh, understanding and deep understanding of scripture or whatever. No, it, it, the, this isn't the reason why you follow someone. You follow someone because they follow Christ. It's by their example, not by their information, their knowledge and their insight. Okay. Um. Yeah. I don't know if it's proven. I, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to see. I, I, I no. Sin exists everywhere, and it exists inside the church. Why? Because often people follow people and not Christ. Okay? They follow people, but they don't follow Christ. So, anyway. Um, and it's unfortunate because there has been a lot of manipulation in the church. We've seen a lot of people who have been um, hurt by the church, abused by the church, Um and so anyway, that, all, all that is to say, this is why we do this, actually. The purpose of the read and rant, why we spend time in the reading of the word. The reason why we do this is so that you get the word for yourself. When we join here, we spend time in the word. We're not here submitted to religion. 
We're here to submit to the revelation of Christ. And I've always said this, that Jesus is the anti-religion. Okay? He's the anti-religion. He came to destroy religion. Okay? We're the ones, and we've allowed people to do this, to repackage Jesus as an institution and as religion to prostrate power and influence and everything else. And so we've turned into another form of idolatry. Religion is idolatry. Okay? And this is why we do this. We do this so people can be set free from idolatry. <laughs> uh, Discord is discipleship. <laughs> TikTok can be a little crazy, but I love my TikTok fan. What's going on, TikTok? What's happening? What's going on, IG? Uh, <coughs> <laughs> TikTok be like, let's start a riot. By the way, I'm all over the place here. I got I got Discord, which is I love my family on Discord. I we got an amazing community there uh of people who are just looking to follow Jesus. It's it's so amazing. So if you want to be a part of that, I would encourage you to join our Discord community, discord.gg slash opus frere. And if you're on IG, I want to encourage you, IG and TikTok, do it. Also, um, we have a Patreon. Support us on Patreon. Um, it is your support that makes all this a reality, okay? We wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for your support. And I thank the Lord every day for those of you who have contributed to what we're doing here through, um, through the social platforms to wake the church up. <laughs> yes, to bring, bring people back to a relationship with Christ to revisit everything you may have learned in the church, to realize that maybe a lot of what you call church was maybe just religion, but not the church of Jesus Christ. Anyway, I, I don't want to go into full rant mode because I'm already behind. <laughs> I'm already behind y'all. So anyway, I recorded this. I'll make this available to all the patrons. And of course, um, I make these episodes available right away as, as a gift for our patrons who support what we do um, here. And of course, there's other bonus content with our prayers that we have. Also on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we come together for prayer. So I'm not here. I'm not on 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 disc, Sorry, on TikTok and IG on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if you notice, I'm really sporadic now on IG. I'm really sporadic on TikTok, but I am consistent on Discord. So if you want to connect with us consistently every day, join us on Discord. We got an amazing community there of people who are connected to each other. So I want to encourage you to do that. And also text 954-231-1848, 954-231-1848. Y'all, this is what we do every morning. We spend time in the reading of the word. We read through the entire scripture. We read through large swaths of scripture. What I intend to do is to expose you to the totality of the text, okay? I'm not here to impose anything. We're just here to just read, read through it, and for you to read for yourself. And of course, I spend some time just in reflection. That's what we call the read and rant because I'm reading and then I just reflect. So for some of you, after after you're done hearing reading the text and you want to go, you could go, okay? That's the most important part is just for you to read. And I'm here to just read it with you to show you that you can get through a lot of Bible if you just devote for a few days a week, for half an hour a day, not even half an hour, we don't even spend half an hour uh, spending in the reading of the word, how much Bible you can get through. And so I 
Um, I'm encouraged by all the stories of people who are transformed, all the people who this has been a, a profoundly life-changing endeavor for you. And I'm always encouraged to hear people that say, man, I, just, I never saw the Bible this way. I never understood it this way. And so I want to um, definitely, definitely encourage you guys to stick with us, do this, go on this journey with us as we journey through the entire text. We are in Mark chapter seven. So we've read through Matthew. Now we're reading through the book of Mark and we are in Mark chapter seven. I will read from there. And what we do is, is we just ask God, because this is not a Bible study. This is just a reading. And notice what discipleship looks like. Watch this, gal. Ready? Ready? I'm teaching you to do what I do. Okay? Not to know what I know, but to do what I do. That's the distinction between discipleship and just Bible study and teaching. Do what I do. This is why I say pray with me. I want you to do what I do. This is why I want you to do the read and rant with me. I want you to read with me. Do what I do. If you can do what I do, then you can become who I've become in my identity in Christ. See the difference there? Teaching you. I'm teaching y'all already a little something, something, something there. Okay. All right. All right. Should I reiterate again with Mark, Mark 6 verse 40? A student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Okay. That's all we want is for you to become like the teacher, not to know what the teacher knows. Okay. So let's do it, y'all. Let's do it, y'all. Okay. Mark chapter seven. We'll pray. Ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Second question, God, what are you revealing concerning people? Third question is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? The only father, we thank you for, Lord, just giving us another day. We thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together, to spend time in the reading of the word. Father, I thank you for the weekend and Lord, as we enter into this new week, Father, let us, let's start on a good note. Let's start on a good note today, Lord God. In your presence, with your wisdom, being led by your spirit. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen. Let's read y'all. Let's get it. Mark chapter seven, and it says this, then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, having come from Jerusalem. Now, when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is with unwashed hands, they found fault for the Pharisees and all the Jews did not eat unless they unless they washed their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. Then the disciples and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Hmm. He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honor, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. We were just talking about this. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, all too well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, that you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down and many such things you do. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear me, everyone and understand there is nothing that enters a man from outside, which can defile him. But the things which come out of a man, those are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive what whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, but does not enter his heart, but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. Verse 24, from there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden for a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and she came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, even yet, even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis, the Sea of Galilee. And they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. Immediately, his ears were opened and the impediment of his tongue was loosed and he spoke plainly. Then he commanded them that they should tell no one, but the more he commanded them, the more widely they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure saying, he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Chapter eight. 
In those days, the multitude being very great, having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, have compassion on the multitude because they have continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way. Some of them have come from afar. Then the disciples answered him, how can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude and they had a few small fish and having blessed them, he said to set them before also before them. So they ate and were filled and they took seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000 and he sent them away immediately, got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmanutha. Verse 11. Then the Pharisees came out, began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven, testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them, getting into the boat again, departed to another side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, It is because we have no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes do not see, having ears you do not hear. And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? He said, they said to him, 12. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, how is it you do not understand? Oh, there's so much to unpack. <laughs> then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on their eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now, Jesus and his disciples went out of the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road, he asked his disciples saying to them, who do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Jesus answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they shouldn't tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again, he spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, get behind me, Satan, 
for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Verse 34, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to him, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for the gospel's will, save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me, sorry, for whoever is ashamed of me in my words, in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes to glory of his father with his holy angels. Chapter nine, he said, assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Jesus. Verse two. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to the high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because they did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. And a cloud came and overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly when they had looked, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one of the things they had seen till the son of man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how is it written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has also come, and they did not, sorry, and they did to him whatever they wished, as it is written of him. Mm Mm-hmm. And when Jesus came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them immediately. When he saw them, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him 
both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and arose. And when he had come to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Then they departed from there, passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, the son of man is being betrayed into the hands of men and they will kill him. And after he is killed, they will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying, and they were afraid to ask him. Then he came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Then he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And he said to him in his arms, and he said to them, sorry, he had taken him in his arms and he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, John answered him saying, teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Verse 42. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into fire that shall be never quenched. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Mm. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed rather than having two feet to be cast into hell, into fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. 
for everyone will be seasoned with fire and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. <clears throat> the word of God. We're going to, we're going to stop right there. Um, if you are reading this right now, of course you have to, um, you have to understand that there's no way that I'm going to be able to really exegete and to break down, you know, all of these texts. Okay. All these teachings that Jesus provides to us in these chapters. <clears throat> so what I will attempt to do is at least just share with you some thoughts. As you guys know, this isn't a Bible study. We save our time for Bible study, um, um, you know, on, on the weekends when we come together for Bible study. And that's on Discord, by the way. So join us on Discord, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. But man, oh man, oh man. There's so much here. And as I'm meditating today, as we all come together to meditate, we're just asking the Lord a simple question. Like, God, as I'm reading your word today, what are you speaking into? Well, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing to me concerning people? What are you revealing to me concerning yourself? Your will, your people, me. And as I read this today, and I'm posturing myself to ask this question, you guys are eavesdropping into my process. The things that I read here that move me. There are two stories here that move me. Two things that you'll see here that should move you. And there's an observation that you should make as you read this text. The observation that you should make as you read this text is that Jesus is investing a significant amount of time with these disciples to teach them, to instruct them. And yet with all the time he's teaching them, the disciples are still confused. They don't fully get it. They don't fully understand what it is that Jesus is doing, what it is that Jesus is accomplishing. They're trying to make sense of it. And yet they haven't fully made sense of it because every time they hear Jesus speak about his death and resurrection, they're confused. They just hear and they go, uh, okay. And the scriptures just tell us, they just kind of, they didn't even want to confront it. They just kind of heard it and they're like, ah, it sounds, that sounds really odd that he would speak on his death and his resurrection, which speaks into the heart that we have often when we hear Jesus speaking, particularly in the reading of the word and in our lives is we tend to filter out the things that don't immediately coincide with our present day belief system or experience. Let me back that up for a second. So you understand what I'm saying. You have to understand that the disciples are Jewish men who've grown up centuries after the prophets have been written centuries after Malachi, waiting for the coming of a kingdom, waiting for the restoration of Israel. And they find themselves under Roman oppression, under Roman occupation. 
And so for them, when they think of the kingdom of God, when they think of the liberation of Israel, when they think of God restoring all things and that through Israel, God would bring flourishing to the rest of the world, establishing his throne in Jerusalem. This is this was what they were waiting for and anticipating. They had an image for what that would look like. They had a picture of what that would look like because they were taught this is what it will be. For them, they saw a military leader. They envisioned a military mind, one with some form of supernatural gift and power, the Messiah. And this Messiah would come in and just wreck house. He would come in and overthrow the Roman Empire. They would see the kingdom of God. They would establish their authority and their power, their rightful place in the world. This is what Israel was aspiring towards. And this is what the disciples believed when they saw Jesus and they asked whether or not this man was the Messiah. Of course, we read in this particular reading that they were convinced of this. When Jesus said, who did do they say that I am? And they said, well, they said that you're the John the Baptist or you're the prophet Elijah. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Because I don't want what people say or you for you to tell me what people say about who I am, but rather I want for you to tell me what conviction you have in your personal experience with me as to who I am. A little quick side note, well, a little quick sidebar family before I get all lit and excited because I'm going to get all lit and excited because there's so much here. But I feel like God is leading us into this today, that there are those of us who simply have what people say about who Jesus is. We have people who will tell us that this is who Jesus is. This is what the Bible tells us. This is what the scriptures tell us. And so we only get information and revelation from someone else rather than getting information and revelation for ourselves. There are many of us today that fall under this particular category, that we've been given certain perspectives of God, that have been given to those who got revelation from God. When God wants to meet us each individually, revealing who he is to each and every one of us. This is so critically important, fam. This is so critically important for us to understand, because if we simply take secondhand information, if we simply take secondhand perspective, we will never fully experience the transformation that comes from Christ. If it's just knowledge, if it's just insight, if it's just doctrine, if it's just theology, if it's just, this is what my pastor said. If it's just, this is what they were, this is what I've been told. If it's just, this is what I got from my, um, this is what I got from my concordance, or this is what I got from my Bible dictionary, or this is what I got from what so-and-so taught to me. And this is what I got from what this particular theologian said, or this is what I got from what this particular pastor said. This is what I got from, if that's what I got, and all I have is those perspectives that I have not yet known who Christ is. Our knowledge of Christ, our understanding of Christ, our perspective of Christ must come through our own personal revelation. Jesus is not asking us, who do they say that I am? But Jesus is asking us, who do you 
each and every one of us individually, who do we, me, say that he is? Are y'all catching what I'm saying? I hope I got Discord running again because I just restarted it. So hopefully uh, it's working now. So I say all that to say that what Jesus was asking them, and this is the first layer of our understanding, this is the first layer of maturity, is you can start with what they say that Jesus is, but you have to get to what you have a conviction, a personal conviction of who Jesus is. But then once you have that conviction of who Jesus is, ask yourself the question, what are you filtering that conviction through? Because when they said to him, you are the Messiah, what does that even mean? Whew. When we say that Jesus is our savior, what does that even mean? When we say that he is the Messiah, what does that even mean? I'll tell you this. The disciples have their own image of that. They have their own perspective of that. Jesus was the savior, but he was the savior of their agenda. Oh man, it's going to get tough. When Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom, they have their own image of what the kingdom looked like. They had their own thought of what the kingdom looked like, their own perspective of the kingdom. Oh, this is going to be Israel. We're going to take over the Roman Empire. We're going we're gonna to be liberated from the Romans, and then we're just going to take over. Jerusalem will be the capital of the world. We're going to rule. Let's get our swords. Let's get our guns. Let's get our weapons ready. They had their own idea of who Jesus would be. When Jesus preached the message of the kingdom, in their mind, they had a, a, their own idea of what the kingdom looked like. They were filtering Jesus through their own agenda. I say this. Because there are many of us who have filtered Jesus through our agendas. Remember when we talked about the gospel, I think I was talking about this with those of you in prayer when we were in our prayer meeting on Discord um, last Thursday. Was it Thursday? It might have been Thursday. But we were talking about this. And I said, there's only one gospel. You know, they tell you, oh, there's a prosperity gospel and there's a suffering gospel and there's all these different gospels. And no, there's only one gospel. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Here's the problem. The problem is, is that many of us have filtered the kingdom through our experiences only to now have a myopic perspective of what the kingdom is. So we create our own gospels from our own agendas, from what's culturally normative, what's, what's, what's culturally acceptable. So we come up with gospels that look more like Christian nationalism. We come up with gospels that look more like 
what we see now as the prosperity gospel. We come up with gospels that do not align with the agenda of God, but rather our own. And so while we hear what Jesus is saying, we've filtered what Jesus says through our own lens for our own safety in our own comfort, in our own power, and miss the entire message entirely. They don't want to confront a Jesus that says that he's going to die and resurrect. Because to confront that reality would require them to revisit their entire agenda, their entire perspective, their entire worldview. That's actually what's wrong with the church today. The church today doesn't allow the kingdom to influence the cultural moment, but to let the cultural moment influence the kingdom. So we see Jesus moving, but the disciples aren't getting it. We see Jesus performing miracles, but the disciples aren't getting it. And Jesus keeps saying this over and over again. He's saying, y'all don't get it. You guys are missing the point. Yeah. Ah, can you imagine Jesus' frustration? You're missing the point. At any time Jesus says something, they filter it out. Nope, that doesn't work with my frame of thinking. It doesn't work with my experience. Reality family is that a lot of us have God problems because we have idolatry problems. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is, is that we often have difficulty seeing God as a father because we have broken fathers. So we see God through our fathers. We're putting our fathers in a place that they should never be. When we talk about a nurturing God, we see the lack of nurture in some of our mothers and our brokenness in our mothers. And so we now have a broken perspective of God because we didn't actually know who God was. We tried to put God inside of the flesh in the box of a person who's fundamentally broken. We have people who make their pastors God, who make priests God, who make preachers God. There are folks today, and I know there's some folks in here who are going to hear what I'm going to say, and I know it's going to make you uncomfortable, but there's some folks who don't feel like they, they're forgiven until they go to a priest and sit inside of a little box and confess all their sins to a human man who's sinful himself. And to confess and make sure, let me get it all out of there, because if I Get it all out. I'll feel better about myself. You've made him an idol. You have an idolatry. You've made him an idol. And if it isn't a person, it's a system. There are people that have made socialism the kingdom. Ah, but then there are people that have made conservatism the kingdom. Idolatry. Systems. And then we filter all of it through systems. Ready for this? It's this type of idolatry, which is the reason why 
we've seen how the church has been complicit. And when I say the church, I'm talking about the institutional church, how the institutional church has been complicit to some of the great travesties of humanity. This is the stuff we don't like to talk about. This is stuff we won't talk about because it makes us all uncomfortable, but we haven't confronted the very thing that these disciples are confronting right now. But we have to look at it and we have to confront it. We have to say, hold on a second. The church played a big part in slavery in the United States. It was a Christian church that undergirded it. Why? Because we had our own lens. Eminent domain all around the world. Empires that were built. Millions of people who died and were oppressed in nations in the Far East. Why? For the propagation of the militaristic agenda that they packaged as Christian expansion. And I'm talking about the extremes, but let's talk about the little ones that are in our heart. We can talk about the big institutional ones, but what about the ones in our heart? When we say that he is the Messiah, what does that even mean? Like, what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah? And what does it mean for Jesus to rule? Sure, it looks like it's not following the doctrines of men. Jesus says in chapter seven, verse six, this people honors me with their lips, but their, look at that word, heart is far from me. And in vain, they worship me. They're people who worship God and they worship him in vain, vain worship. There are people going to church every Sunday, vain worship. Sorry, y'all, it's gonna get tough for a second. There are those of us who we follow and check off the religious boxes, but it's vain. It's vain worship. We, we say things that sound honoring to God. It sounds great. It sounds real Christian. It sounds real spiritual. It sounds really deep but it's vain. You know that word vain is, it's vapor. It's, it, it, it's nothing, it's meaningless, it has no value. We can sing the songs, put our hands up in the air, give God glory and praise and all of that. And it all feels good and it's all, but it's vain. Why is it vain? Look what he says in, in verse seven because we teach as doctrines the commandments of men. <sighs> we wanna follow rules, give me the rules, give me the rules, and let's pick and choose the ones that work. Filtering. The Pharisees are over here telling Jesus, y'all need to even wash y'all hands. This is our tradition. And now you are unclean again to make them less than this is what notice this legalism creates 
hierarchies, legalism. Grace creates unity in the body, but legalism creates hierarchies, one that's more righteous than another, one that's doing a lot better than another, one that's a little bit more Christian than another, one that's closer to Jesus than another, one that has more uh, connection to God than another. So there are levels to this, you know, you got the, you know, the Bible study leaders, you know, they're closer to God than me. And then you've got the, 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 you know, the, the, the pastors and the elders. And then you've got Oh, look at that. You've got the bishops and, and you've got the deacons. And if you, you know, let's just create titles now that aren't even in the Bible. Let's call them cardinals. So we'll go up here. Oops. I'm sorry. I'm getting in trouble now. And so we'll, we'll create And then we'll, add, you know, let's add a pope in there because he's the most holy of holies. And I'm not here to just knock on the Catholic church because we've created it in other, in other denominations. We have regional bishops and regional deacons and there's all this structure and all this organization and all this institutionalization. And then there's those who are holier and righteous. And so we create these set of rules, these doctrines, and, and we, we not realizing we've created the same institutions. The only thing is we just kind of just sprinkled a little bit of Jesus on it. And so what legalism does is, depending on what your denomination is, we follow these rules, and then we follow these rules, and then we follow these rules. We have these convictions and these convictions, and, and so this is how we—and and, and then, of course, those who follow them well get an, an elevated status, and then an elevated status, and then an elevated status. Ah. <laughs> uh. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, you search the scriptures for in them you believe that there is salvation. Now, some people are going, then pastor, why do you read the Bible? I mean, you read this in and out. You preach this in and out. The authority of scripture. I believe in the authority of scripture. I believe in all of it. But what is the purpose of this? The purpose of the scripture is to bring revelation to Christ. It's to bring revelation to Jesus. And if you don't get to Jesus, you're reading it wrong. These prideful guys had a bunch of rules set in place. And he's saying, oh, you think you're worshiping me because you follow these rules well. Oh, look at you. You're worshiping me in vain. Oh, got it. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. So we got traditions, things we do, and then things we change over time. Because, you know, times change, the cultures change, and, you know, what's acceptable in one generation is not acceptable in another. So now let's pull this one out. Let's add this one in, and we'll just create a new kind of religious way of, of, of worshiping Jesus, cultural Christians. That's right. And Jesus is coming to dismantle all of this. And here's what he's like. He's, he says to him, man, he's like, yo, hold up, hold up. Let me, let me get this right. 
So you think I'm unclean because I didn't wash my hands before I ate? Like you think I'm spiritually unclean because my hands weren't sanitized? Are you serious? <laughs> like, are you are you serious? You think that somehow because I didn't wash my hands? That I'm somehow spiritually less than? <sighs> Jesus, like, hold on a second. Don't you know the disciples, of course, who are thrown by tradition and religion? They're like, Jesus, help it make sense because I, we heard what you said, but help it make sense. He's like, hold on. Do you not know that you have a body that processes what's clean and not clean? Do you, have, do you know there's this thing called, you know, your digestive system? <laughs> this thing called your digestive system that when it actually comes through your body, your body pulls out all the impurities and expels it. Like, do you know that whatever comes into your mouth doesn't defile you? How are you defiled by what you eat? Whether your hands were clean or not. Five second rule. <laughs> he says, it's what comes out of a man in verse 20 that defiles him. You're going to eliminate it. You're going to, for lack of better words, you're going to crap it out. Hello. But it's actually what comes out of you that defiles you. Not what comes in your mouth, it's what actually comes out of your mouth. He's saying the problem isn't what you put in your belly. The problem is what's already in your heart. For out of the heart of men come evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceitfulness, lewdness. These guys got clean hands and dirty hearts. And somehow they think because their hands are clean that they worship the Lord. And he's saying a dirty heart is a vain worship. Any, any worship that comes out of a dirty heart that's submitted to the doctrines of men to cover the wickedness of a man's heart, it's not, it's, it's vain. It's vain worship. And yet notice what Jesus is doing here is that he begins. This is the narrative of the kingdom, y'all. By the way, you're going to see the full narrative in the revelation of the kingdom. This is Jesus is about to show them. This is how I rule. This is how the kingdom of God works. It's not based off of your agenda. The disciples are missing it because they're filtering, filtering, filtering. Man, the whole the, the miracle of the feeding you have to understand is also the ministry of the gospel. The revelation of the kingdom of God. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Then Jesus feeds the 4,000. Only to point to beware, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. Oh my gosh, the leaven is the bad doctrine, by the way. Of the Pharisees and Herod. Which actually points us back to uh, the, the, the Passover. Um, but that's another. I don't, I, we don't, we don't have time. I got three minutes. So I'm going to leave you with this. <laughs> 
Jesus heals, notice, again, there's a reason why these stories are being revealed to us. Jesus heals a mute man, one who cannot speak. And he heals a deaf one. What they call the deaf and dumb spirit. Can't speak and cannot hear. All to bring revelation to the work of the kingdom of God. Jesus is pointing people. These are the signs of what Jesus is doing to a generation. And Jesus says something powerful that the disciples missed and they won't catch it till later. And I'm going to leave it right here. In Mark chapter 9, the first verse, it says, And he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. He says they will taste death, but they will see the kingdom of God present with power before they taste death. To go back to the conversation that we had, that we've been talking about over and over again, and you'll notice that as we spend more time in the Gospels, you're going to hear me talk more and more about the kingdom because it's the one thing that Christians today just don't understand. They don't know. And yet this is Jesus' primary teaching. See, the ministry of Jesus is the ministry of the kingdom. The gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. This whole gospel, Jesus forgave me of my sins and all that, that's beautiful, that's great and all. That isn't the full message of the kingdom. That isn't the gospel. The grace of God, all those things are true, but why? And so we miss the message of the gospel because we don't understand that Jesus came to bring the kingdom, the revelation of the kingdom of God. And yet he's telling the disciples right now, and this is all I want to point you to today, is he's saying they will see the kingdom of God present before they die. So if the kingdom of God is present before they die, that means the kingdom of God has come already. Okay, the kingdom of God has come. We just don't understand what the kingdom of God is because we think the kingdom of God is just going to heaven. We think the kingdom of God is some kind of uh, floating eternal reality, whatever it is. We don't understand it from the perspective of the one who came to bring the message of the kingdom, Jesus himself. And so we're going to do this. Candy, we're going to definitely work through this. Cherie, we're going to work through this. Sarah, we're going to work through this. Elizabeth, we're going to work through this. All my Discord fan, we're going to work through this. I even, uh, I think, I think, uh, I, I think it was Asia who asked this. Um, she said, you know, I think we need to do like a, a study on how to read the Bible because most people read the Bible wrong. I agree with that. I agree with that. It starts with understanding the kingdom. We, we, you actually have to read it with the understanding of what does Jesus mean by the kingdom? Okay. Because when you understand that the kingdom is not like this, this floating 
you know, sky place. <laughs> then you'll begin to understand. Ah, now I know what Jesus is talking about. Now I understand what Jesus is talking about. And I know I, I, I see some of the comments on TikTok. I see y'all. Um, and, and I see what you're saying. You know, what's funny to me is when people say that you believe they, people will make assertions about what you believe without actually knowing what you believe. They just jump in and make observations and they just make assumptions and they go, look at you believing all this crazy stuff. You don't even know what I believe. <laughs> I find that that's, that's another form of delusion. And that's delusional. To make, to make an assertion about what I believe without actually even knowing what I believe. I, I just don't understand the delusion of that. I don't know what you believe. And yet I'm not making assertions about what you believe. So I say all that to say, maybe before you dismiss those who believe in the gospel of Jesus, actually learn and know what the gospel is. That's it. Like That's my prayer. And I love that I have atheists in this group. I got, I know I have the atheists. I know they're watching. Some of them are commenting and, and some of them obviously I know there are, and, and, and I know there are people who don't agree with everything that I say that are still here. And I love that you're here. And I want to say that, like, I'm, I'm honored that you took time to just sit and just listen. And I've always said this to folks, don't take my word for anything. Okay. I'm not coming here. Some kind of like expert, um, you know, I'm not Jesus in that way, not in that way at all. However, I just want you to actually read, before you make any type of conclusion, any type of assertion, before you jump into any type of, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, just read the whole thing for yourself first and stop putting filters on it. Stop putting filters. Read it for what it says. Don't read it and then interpret it in your own way and then talk about what it is based off of your own, for lack of better words, delusion. And by the way, this is the delusion of religion. The delusion of religion filters this text where we miss the message the same way that the disciples were filtering Jesus and getting it wrong. My question is, are we filtering Jesus? This is for people who grew up in church who say they believe in God. Who say they have faith in God or they have faith in Jesus. And yet they still have the delusion of religion and they're filtering this word through the delusion of their religion. And this is also for the other religious people called atheists because you're religious as well. Atheism is another religion. And so for those of you who are religious atheists, who have their own delusion as well. And I say delusion because it's misinformation that you've made a reality. Just to take off the filters and to read it for yourself. Like just read the text for yourself without any filter. This is my prayer when you guys read this. My prayer for you is, that's what I'm going to call this episode. I'm going to call this episode No Filter. But no filter. No filter. 
Just read it for what it says. Some of us have to unlearn Christianity. I love that you guys wrote that. You need to unlearn Christianity. Yeah, I said it. I'll say one last thing because I'm over time now. I have found that the more conversations I have with people who've grown up in church, the more I realize that many people who profess to be Christian are actually agnostics. You see, I didn't even get to the man who said he believed and said, help me with my unbelief. And so I say all that to say that we all have beliefs that have no evidence (laughs) because we all operate on faith. Every single person here operates on faith. The agnostics just don't know what they really believe in and they're unsure about what they believe. And so many of us are actually agnostics because we've been indoctrinated. Yes. Indoctrinated with what someone else said when all Jesus asked was, who do you say that I am? Father, I ask today, Lord, as we are challenged today with um, the reality that, Lord, we're, Some of us are still removing lenses, removing filters, removing things that we were told, things that were said to us about what the word or what you've said, things that were taught to us in a way that weren't actually reflected anything that resembled who you were and what you intended. And Father, I thank you for each person who's here. Lord, some of us who are wrestling, some of us who are still working through our our belief and unbelief, some of us who may have never actually ever heard the gospel of the kingdom, who who, who don't even know what that even means, who may have even grown up in church. For those of us who've been hurt by the church, for those of us who've seen the manipulation of the church, for those of us who have experienced profound hurt from the church, Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would, Lord, lift those veils out of our eyes. Father, I pray that you would just just show us in this text what the text actually just says. And Lord, to find the revelation of who you are in all of it. Lord, bless us, bless this group, and Lord, just be with us as we continue to journey together in your word. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all, fam. God bless you guys. I will see you guys uh, tomorrow on Discord. I will just be on Discord in prayer. Also, uh, consider becoming a patron. For those of you who are here, thank you to all my patrons. because That's why I can do this. Okay, This is why I do this. I can do this regularly with you all because of the support of our patrons. And so um, I just thank you all for that. And I ask that if, you, if this is blessing to you in any way, please support us um, as we continue to, to share um, the message of Jesus. And I'm excited. I'm excited. And I know my patrons right now are planning a get together. So that's exciting. Sometime later this year, 
for our church launch. So I'm excited about that. I look forward to that. But guys, I will see you. I actually have to get on the road. I have an engagement. And so I got to be out of here. But uh, I will see you on Wednesday, okay, uh, for Read and Rant. But tomorrow we will spend time in prayer. Um, it's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And also join our Discord, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. And also, I will say this. I know I got lots of atheists and agnostics in here. I would love to go on like a 12-week journey where I get to hear from you guys. Like where I get to just listen. That's it. Just listen. And I want to go through a journey with you guys. So if you're interested in being a part of that, um, message me on Discord. So join our Discord community. Hit me up. I want us to go on a on a journey together. Like I'm not here to convince you of anything, to sway your beliefs, anything of the sort. I just want to go on a journey with y'all. Um, and if you guys can commit to that, that would be exciting. I'd love to um, see where you're at. And if you're agnostic too, okay? I Listen, there are people who are who grew up in church agnostic. You're still agnostic, even though you grew up in the church. This is no shame, okay? All right, I've been there, okay? Um, we can set up a private room and just just for the atheists, okay? So you guys can, can journey with me because I, I have something I want to share with you guys. And I think it'd be cool if we did it together. Um, and yeah, it's nothing... I'm not here to push anything on you. Safe space. I actually learn so much more when I get to spend time um, with you guys in conversation. So anyway, join the Discord. Hit me up on the DM on Discord. And I want to definitely uh, go on that journey with you guys. All right. Love y'all. Got to go. Peace out.